Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Hello and welcome to HivriaCast. Um, it's been a while. I'm so glad to have you guys back. We, uh, we took a little break for Yontif, but I'm excited to say that we're going to be getting back in the swing of things now. So um, thank you. Thank you for joining me. And thank you for joining us. I'm here with our first time, second time guest. <laughs> uh, first time we're having a guest come on twice. And I'm so excited to say that it's Dahlia Schusterman. Welcome, Dahlia. Thank you, Elad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who listened to the last episode with Dahlia, and if you haven't, I really highly suggest you do, um, knows that we left on like a cliffhanger last time. We had a lot, a lot to talk about because we're talking about Dahlia. So obviously we're talking about you. It's... It's going to be big. It's going to be a... Huge. Right? He, no, I How many episodes do you think we're going to get right. to? How many episodes yeah, are we going to do? Telling your life story. Like, what do you think? I think I skipped a bunch of chapters. So we'd have to oh, go back. Oh, you think we have to go a, back? Yeah. I mean, you know. Okay. This is going to really be a long want... <laughs> thing. We'll do your childhood now. We'll do a prequel. Childhood, you know. Wow. I thought we were going to go forward. Orleans. I mean, That's or forward. We can go. You think we should go forward? Maybe we should jump like 30 years ahead. Oh, yeah? wow. Like, Let's mess with the narrative structure. We don't need to be linear. I like this. this is very, we're already creative right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> well, it's so good to have you. It was literally Thanks. a day after we got to do an event with your band, which I we talked about. Did, I think you had your first event when we last spoke, right? It was like right before your first event it, I as a band. Think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. I think so. You're could right. Could be wrong. I, but I could be wrong too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's assume I'm right. Yes, um, you're right for sure. Must so, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I. I guess I gotta ask before we get into anything. How's how's that going for you? How's the the band? It's all. It's like I guess we could review what it is. It's called the New Moon All Stars Party Band, right? Wow, <laughs> straight A's right there. That's a big gold star. That was yeah. That you, took me a lot of time to get right. <laughs> That's good. But, but this, this is why you know we made it that way, and we'll we'll change it again and have another no, five I love word. It. Yeah, you like? Love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been. Fun. It's so super fun. Like, yeah. that's basically it. I mean, that was the reason why we started it, and that's just what it's been. It's just been super duper schmooper fun. And it's made up of all women, right? Um, yeah. And you generally perform mainly for women, right? Yep. Except, For yeah, last night was the first time we did a mixed crowd. Yeah. So it was instrumental, and we also did Unplugged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> No, we were happy to do that. In the most positive way possible. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just, uh, yeah, no, that was actually, it was very cool. Yeah? Yes. That's great. Um, Yeah. Do you think you're going to do more stuff like that, like um, with mixed crowds, or do you want to mainly focus on women? You know, like, we're not going to, it's, you know, if people ask us to do stuff, we're totally happy to do it. Mm. I mean, it's so cool. Like, basically, every single person in that band, just loves to play so like give him a reason and it's like yeah you know so yeah whatever if there's some but we're not gonna like be looking for those particularly because i mean it, i guess our main focus again is to just um have parties that women could go to and like enjoy themselves in a different level kind of thing Do you think that's like uh, you're trying to fill a need kind of i guess yeah definitely um, and also, 
um, you know, and then they, we could also bring out the singing and, and the right. dancing and like all that whole, um, all those other elements that are, that get really cool um, when we when we do it for ladies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, you know, the voices come out, which is great because like people who love to sing need to sing. Mm. Um, I happen. Be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so it was, it's it's like super fun for me to be able to do that. Um, and and then the dancing has been great. Also, um, Mirla, who's the the pianist, she's a daughter named Rivka, who is a belly dancer. I mean, she I, she I think she does like a thousand different kinds of dancing, but one of them is belly dancing. And she was like like doing this thing where she'd come in beautiful costume and like teach the women while like, you know, doing some of the songs and whatever, how to belly dance. So the the last show we did at Chava vs. Shral, there was like this whole circle of ladies that I'd never think would get up and belly dance. It was like totally crazy. <laughs> so all these from Orthodox women, whatever, yeah, doing belly dancing. Them and like, I mean, you really have all kinds oh, coming to like us. Mix, yeah. Hashem. But like, yes, that we were in Crown Heights during Simchas Beis Shueva. So, yeah. you know, there are women who just wanted to have like, you know, their own. So yeah, ladies, I would never imagine doing that. And they totally did it. And they had such a good time. It was amazing. Wow. That's really beautiful. That's so cool. I love that line. What was it? Um, if you... Need to what is it if you if you have like a draw to sing then you need to sing kind of that was what you oh said. what I just said you said something like that oh people who just people who love to do whatever yeah, it is that you love, love to, to do, sing they need to sing yeah. yeah I mean that's so interesting to me because I think like I just think one of the biggest issues we face as creatives is this myth that it's like optional like like the way that like for example schools the first thing they cut is art right and uh, um. You know, in our lives, the first things we, we cut is art, right? It's like, no matter how creative someone is, you know, it's it's fascinating to me because it's so clearly, at least the people that I know that are involved, like you and and myself and, and, and so many of the people in the Hebrea community uh, or in any artistic community, uh, what I've seen is that they're so much healthier when they're expressing and when they feel stifled, they're, they're just generally less healthy people, you know? I think it's so interesting. Like, I totally agree with what you're saying. I just, like, was thinking as you were talking that for me, the first thing that went out the door was self-care because I was, like, constantly doing art. Like, that was just, like, somehow, despite myself, it was constantly happening. Right. That's who you... You are very, like, you've got the other end of that, which is, I think, um, very interesting because I think... I hear how that's also problematic, I guess, if you're so focused on your creativity that you're not taking care of yourself. Because the idea is that creativity really ideally should be a form of self-care, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And there's definitely, I think when you have, when you, you are balanced with the self-care, mm. you're you're doing a lot more art anyways. I mean, it's just you have more energy and you're actually right. focused and you're hopeful and you, you mm. know, like what um, um, Rachel was saying la- last night was that, you know, you can create in that like kind of medium, not happy space, but when it gets like really not good mm-hmm. it's like it doesn't it stops mm-hmm. so um right that's yeah. oh right, right 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 yeah i mean i think that's also like another myth right that we're not like that once you become creative that you can't take care of you like you're just a mess and right. whatever like it's like this like you do you do drug you have to do drugs and you have to drink like there's like that myth of the artist who does all these things you know i haven't and, heard that myth no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah isn't that crazy how pervasive that is so so crazy it's like yeah i mean i remember 
being a kid or whatever in school, just growing up in my youth and just like seeing how people were like hell bent on having to do all those things in mm. order to fully live out their lives as artists. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. It's this myth that becomes real. Like, I, yeah, I experienced it in college too because that was when I first discovered anything artistic, like that I had anything artistic. And, wow. and so, yeah, it took me. I was a late bloomer, you know, um, in a lot of ways. But I think, like, it was interesting because I remember when I first started to connect to those sort of people, there was a lot of that kind of identity tied in with drugs and tied in with this and that. It's like, took me some time to read it like I read a book where it was saying no to be an artist you have to have a clear mind you know your mind needs to be clear you know to really be able to express yourself well right and in a healthy way what a crazy idea that we should be healthy I know right (laughs) so crazy (coughs) so it's interesting so I guess this is a good segue I think into you know where we ended off last time right which was you talking about how you had joined this band and you were touring, I think, and whatever. And I think that's about where we ended off. Um, but you still felt like you hadn't filled this other side of yourself, the spiritual side. Right. So there's, I guess, different kinds of self-care. And <clears throat> the kind was so... <laughs> I was failing on two fronts. One was the physical, because I was just living this oh, so at wacko that time, life. Yeah. yeah. And then the other was spiritual. Like I was, like, was saying, I was just so torn because... I had this thirst, this drive to connect to Hashem and figure out what, how I was going, how I could do that, you know, being me, whatever that means. And, um, and I hadn't found it yet. Um, so, you know, so the music, you know, took over and it was amazing and it just, you know, created who I am. But like, that was what you were saying. Like you had, you know, I'm trying to, I guess, review a little bit. Like basically you had gone through a lot of Hashkacha Pratis that brought you to, like musical, you went, you left, what was it? You left home at 16, 16 to become yeah. a musician and then this and that. Like It was just kind of by accident. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I, by accident I was on stage playing with, for, you know, a bunch of people, like a right, lot of people right. the first time I touched a drum and then, and then I met people and then I went hitchhiking and whatever, worked with some Native Americans and did all kinds of crazy stuff and painted fences and Whatever. Painted. Yeah, just the, I don't like the that huck, huck, Yeah, I think I didn't say all this stuff. It's okay. So, I couldn't say all this stuff. So, you know, that's how, that's how so we So you painted are. fences, got it. Whatever. We, uh, yeah, did all kinds of stuff. Anyway, so, and then, like, I went to Israel, like I said, and I didn't, didn't right. hit me. I was, like, waiting for the right. spiritual awakening that just didn't come. And then, and then I went to New Orleans, which was like a whole other level of like, whoa, um, you know, I'm just like thrown into, I was like playing for circuses and, and Mardi Gras parades. And I was the first, um, white Jewish woman, um, in a Mardi Gras Indian tribe that played, um, in a Mardi Gras Indian tribe. And we played, the New Orleans Jazz Festival. So I don't know if you know what Mardi Gras Indians are. That's like a whole no. other tangent. No. You, so I'll, I'll tell you really quick because they're fascinating. You should totally look them up. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can remember. It's been a while. But basically, you know, in New Orleans, it's like a big cultural mix of, you know, Native American blood and African blood and French blood. And they have mm. this whole like Creole kind of thing. And <clears throat> there's a lot of poverty, a lot of um, racism, a lot of like horrible darkness. And these people who were living in, in um, terrible conditions, they were like gangs always fighting, you know? And then they started 
like, okay, maybe we shouldn't kill each other. Maybe we'll like do dance offs and maybe we'll do dance offs and honor our cultures. So they, they wear these, I mean, they spend all year long sewing up these costumes with like feathers galore and sequins like up and down. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Wow. And they have like these songs, like each tribe has their own like songs that they have and their rhythms and whatever. It's so gorgeous and amazing. And uh, So you were part of that? Yeah. And I was part of I Wait, was, but why were you part of that? I, you know, because I knew the native. I was like, because I was... Oh, because you were connected to them before, right? Well, the, just as a musician. Uh-huh. And I mean, there. The, I had a friend named Oliver who was really like the segue into that because she just... Whatever I can't even. That's going to be a whole other podcast. <laughs> but, but, um, but she got us hooked up with these. I mean, we were hanging out in these, you know, neighborhoods in in the Treme where a lot of the music was coming from. And, um, you know, it was not too many white people, but I was like, <laughs> I was one of them. So there were mixed reactions to me playing as a woman and as a white woman. You know, some people were like, "Whoa, that's so cool, go girl!" You know, and other people were like, "What the heck?" <laughs> like, yeah. you know, who do you? <laughs> but, um, but whatever people kept pulling me on stage so so and then these guys were like yeah come play with us you know whatever and uh and there was a jazz festival in full regalia but oh you're saying the native group yeah so they because they're uh, musicians and they're you know they have their own musicians they have you know dance whatever they have the whole like thing and so like we we were also decked out in costumes and stuff and like we're on stage and doing that it was unbelievable Wow. Okay. And then you ended up going to. So then, the yeah. Then I was like escaped the 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 down the rabbit hole of New Orleans, you know, uh-huh. that a lot of people fall through. Um, and pulled myself out of there and went to New York, right. thinking, hmm, maybe I'll meet Jews there. I think I said that right because yeah. um, I was still hoping that I would have somehow. So the the. Whatever the door would open. Oops, sorry, microphone. Um, <laughs> uh, just for anyone listening, Dahlia just committed an act of violence against my our microphone. Anyway. Um, I'll try to, you know. It's okay. It. I forgive you. Um, what was I saying? Yes, New York. You Jews. went to New York. You were looking for Jews. Yeah. Um, and then you ended up in the band, the wrong right? Places. No, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. And then I, well, I was in college in art school, and then I met up with the band, and whatever. I was like doing different bands, and then this one band was really, you know, taking off, and we ended up touring in the states, and we were doing festivals in Europe, and wow. um, doing. I might have said a lot no, of this so stuff I think before. This is this, this is, is about where we left off, where you were talking about how you went with them, and then I guess the question that I was left with. And I think most people, the people I spoke to afterwards, you know, because a lot of people got in touch with me about your episode and they want, you know, what we're all wondering was, okay, so you kept saying that you had this Jewish connection, you know, you had this Jewish connection. We obviously all know the end of the story, (laughs) which is you're sitting now in a pod talking in a podcast with uh, talking about Jewish creativity as a person who's leading a band of from Jewish women um, after starting a revolutionary, uh, I mean, they're both revolutionary, but they're the one that, like, Bulletproof Stockings was really, like, this thing that landed, like, a um, like a real bang in the world. Um, so what what happened? Where did How did you find that Jewish neshama during uh, that time? So it was um, in between bands. So I was living in the Lower East Side, 
I mean, in between, not in between bands, in between tours. Um, We just gotten off um, our uh, European tour, and I was um, on the corner, and some guy came up to me looking like a hipster like everyone else, (laughs) and um, he uh, handed me a flyer for a party. And we started talking, and I asked him what his name was. And should I say the real name? It was such a Jewish name. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I should say the real name or not. Mm. Depends how far I'm going to go with the story. It was yeah. an, so it was a Jewish name. It was a super duper Jewish name. <laughs> like, like, oh my gosh, you're so Jewish. Right. Then my eyes popped out and he said something really funny, which only makes sense if you knew the name, but I'm not going to say it anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's for the off can- alpha microphone party. Um, yeah. But no, anyway, so um, I think I actually said the story a million times, so whatever. But um, it, could, it could be traced back. But anyway, so this, this, this young man... Um, was turned well. Okay, so he so so we we met, and I was like fascinated. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you're so Jewish! You look like a hipster. What's the deal?" Um, and we bumped into each other again, and he's like, "What are you doing tonight?" I was like, "I don't know." And he's like, "It's Sukkis. Um, you should come to my parents' Sukkah. They'd love to have you." I was like, "Okay." And he's like, "You know, come to Brooklyn." So I'd been living in the Lower East Side for, I don't know how many years at that point, but um, when you live in Manhattan, you don't go to Brooklyn. Like, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I had no, I didn't know Brooklyn. So he said, come to Brooklyn. I'm like, okay, you know, gave me directions. I had no, no it's concept. like going out of state or something. Pretty much. Yeah. So I knew enough to, like, wear a skirt and, you know, whatever, like, it was, I was going to be doing something Jewish and it was a holiday and whatever. Um, I don't know what color my hair was at the time, but I had a skirt on. Um, and I, I took the train and I come out and there's like all these black hats and beards like mm. running around and I'm in the heart of Crown Heights. Wow. Um, so um, so was he actually dressed like a hipster or was he just uh, dressed Chabad and you took him as a hipster? No, no, no. He, he was is, like a Chabad he, hipster. Yeah. So he's like super into all right, this is going to be telltale. I don't think it's a big deal. He's super into fashion. He's actually like a like a famous like I mean, he's a big deal in the fashion world. Cool. And um yeah. Um so he was already into that. I already know who it is, but Yes, you do. <laughs> you know him? I think I know. Yeah, anyway. Sorry. Okay. Um amazing amazing person. So um so he pulled me in and um and I'm having dinner at his parents' house and um, it's just, I don't know. I'm like, my mind is being totally blown. Like the one thing that hit me so hard for some reason, I don't know why, but it just did, was just seeing how everybody was communicating mm. so mindfully. Mm. Like everyone was so conscious about how they were talking with each other so that no one was getting hurt or upset or not that it was like touchy feely. Like they were totally like so real and down to earth and everything, but like, you know, out there, like feelings, like people don't really pay that much attention. It's kind of like there's a lot of one upness, and you know, right. it's like here there was like a I don't know, like a baseline that was just a lot higher than you know what I experienced in the world. Does like that make sense? I guess like you're saying, like no one was speaking too negatively to each other, like that sort of thing. Yeah, like uh-huh. yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's what that's what got me at first. Well. And um, that's so interesting, like that that is what I try. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard that as an example. I mean, it's something that I personally 
noticed after I started becoming more religious. I was really amazed by it once you started. But so it's kind of cool that you noticed it like almost immediately. That's really cool. Yeah, it really, uh, really made a, an impact. Um, so the mother of this um, person um, was trying to desperate. I mean, she saw this like, you know, she's like, oh, my gosh, we got to get her in. <laughs> you know, So she's like, um, you know, there's a gig that's happening. And this was actually um, the first time I played with Mirla. So it was like back uh-huh. in the day. I didn't know Mirla. I didn't know I was going to play this with her. This is the like, piano player, right? Yeah, oh, okay. that I played with last night. She was doing a gig for women in Crown Heights during Simplus Basa Shueva. And so they, she's like, go get, you know, to Manhattan, go to Manhattan, get your drum, like come play, like whatever. So I did my first women's gig um, right then and there. And so you went like instantly (laughs) from like feeling disconnected from the Jewish community, et cetera, et cetera, to doing not just being invited for like a Jewish gathering, but being invited to be a Jewish artist, like right away. Right away. So, like, that was immediately part of your experience. It's not amazing. I'm just hitting me now. Like, that's Chabad. Like, they're like, what do you do? You do drums? Come drum. You know what I mean? It's just like a no-brainer. It's like... That's fascinating. Because to me, I remember when I was becoming religious, one of the biggest things I remember affecting me was when I started going to a Chabad house, and I was writing at the time. I was just discovering my writing and whatever. And my, my rabbi was like, just... You know that's amazing. Just do it. And I was like, "Wait, what?" You know, he's like, <laughs> "He's like, yeah, just uplift the world with it." You know, that was kind of his message. But yeah. but besides that, he's like, "Yes, of course." You know, nice. that made a huge impact on me because I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. It's so cool that, and again, it's so chabad. Yeah. Right there, like you do that, great. Not only that, they give you a gig. Yeah, that's I mean, amazing. Hello, <laughs> I know. Again, I'm being put on stage. It's like right away. It was right. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. I don't know. What it's a parallel. That's so cool. So wild. Happened to be also the first night um, I met the young chas that I married. No way. Yeah. Wow. That first night? That first night, there were a bunch of kids. I mean, he was buddies with the guy who brought me in, and, and people were sucker hopping as they do. And um, I ended up being like the only girl amongst a bunch. <laughs> it was kind of weird. It was. Um, but yeah, he was one of those people that was in the sukkah, and we didn't actually like talk so much. Mm. But like when the young man who brought me in was talking about him, and you'd be like, "Pause," and I'd be like, "Oh, pause." Oh, you mean that the guy with like a super strong presence behind me? <laughs> oh yeah, pause. You know, <clears throat> so his name was Pause. His name yeah. was Pause. Yeah. yeah, by the way. Um, yeah. And um, and then my first like real interaction with him actually was when I was coming back to get my drum that I'd left at the house and I was carrying it to the train station and he saw me and ran into me and he's like, oh, let me carry that for you. And he carried it. What a story. Yeah. Wow. And, okay, so, wow, let me see if I can... So what, what were you thinking during this time? Were you feeling like, oh, I'd found... Like, did you immediately feel like you had found finally what you were looking for? Or was it more like, okay, like, this is a cool thing I'm doing, you know? So... <clears throat> two things. One is like I never had Jewish friends growing up because mm-hmm. I went to the French school. Like they kind of alienated me from all the, even the, even though I was going to synagogue shul or whatever, ev- you know, my all my life. I um, mean, all those kids were in Jewish schools. <clears throat> I didn't relate so much. There was something about American Jewish culture or American modern Jewish culture, or whatever, that I was just mm. felt totally alien to. So I just I didn't really. I just uh, didn't connect to people um, who were Jewish. 
and or at least that I knew, you know, or that were obviously Jewish or whatever it was. So I was actually super excited because I was like, oh my gosh, they're they're Jewish. That's super cool because I'm Jewish and. <laughs> They're really cool, though. They're like, you know, they're having all kinds of conversations that I've never heard before. Mm. Um, I mean, so Fashion Man, he, by the way, he's like, say, <laughs> he, whatever Fashion Man he is, he is a, a shliach. I mean, the, the I mean, he, he grew up at the feet of the Rebbe, and like, it just comes out of him. I mean, wherever he goes in his fashion world that he lives in, he is such a beacon of light. I mean, it's just, Wow. Unbelievable, yeah. And so <clears throat> it, it it hit me then, and then also it happened to me that Sukkis. I didn't know where. Um, did you know like this is something like not just that you wanted to be around them, or but did you have any inkling that you wanted to live like that, or is it more just like? So I always knew that the day I was gonna like go towards mm-hmm. myself and that part of myself, I was gonna go all the way. But it had to be the right thing. It had to be like the real deal. So that Sukkis, I also, I, there were, I guess it was the second days. Um, I was trying to figure out where to go. I was in Manhattan and I was like, oh, I'm about to disparage a whole bunch of things, but <laughs> this is all just my personal journey. So it's not, you know, no, no offense. To, uh, this is anyway. about to get very juicy. I'm very sorry, excited. Not, not that juicy. <laughs> sorry, that was a big preemptive. But anyways, so I went to the Karl Wachschel. Uh-huh. <clears throat> And um, it wasn't for me. It was just, uh, it was... Shocking words from Dolly Schuster. Yeah, I know. So it wasn't for you, you Totally not for me. Which is actually interesting, if you think about it, because it's meant to be like a creative musical place, right? Right. Um, So it's interesting that didn't fit with you. Yeah. Um, Should I get real here? I mean, or should I... This is the place to get real. Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's get real. I know, I just feel... Like, I don't want to just... Get real in a constructive way. I'll try to do that. Okay. So, so basically, whatever. It just wasn't for me. I, it, I wasn't feeling. Why the, wasn't it for you? Okay. Now you <laughs> <question>. got you. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So there was, I felt like there was, and it's this funny coming from a Chabad Nick to, you know, aspiring at least, um, you know, cause a lot of people kind of peg this on us, but I felt it was a little culty, mm-hmm. um, that, and maybe also because I wasn't I wasn't at the point yet where, like, even having a Rebbe made sense, you know what I mean? But, like, something about going in there and hearing how they were talking about their Rebbe, which maybe Mm. at this point it wouldn't be as shocking. But at that point it was just, like, also shocking because I had met Rabbi Kalbach and, um, and the experience was interesting. So I didn't quite... How was it interesting? (laughs) Um, he had, okay, he had a story. He told... By the way, he, you don't have to, I'm, I'm just kind of pushing you, but... You are pushing, what's up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he, whatever, I, I, he came to our show when I was younger, and it was just an interesting, uh, he had a very unique way of describing Yom Kippur. He was up there talking about Yom Kippur. Um, I was young, but like, it hit me, and I still remember. It was just like, should I tell, should I say it? I mean, they were his words, right? Like I, and he said so you're it quoting publicly. Him and, okay. I'm quoting him. This is how he he explained Yom Kippur. He said, "It's like, you know, it's like when you get in a car and you're, I'm about to get a bunch of hate mail, but okay, I just, you know, this is his story, so whatever. Is when you get in a car and you're driving and and you're like stopped at the light and you look over and there's this convertible with this 
beautiful blonde woman and you're about to reach out and talk to her, but then the light changes and then she goes. And the whole time you're like trying to catch up with her and you can't quite do it. And it's like, this is Yum Kipper. Wow. It's like, wow. <laughs> um, beautiful blonde woman. And okay. then you found that, yeah, you found that to be. It just, I don't know, I, you know, I could have totally read it wrong. I could have totally, you know, misunderstood him. But there was something that didn't sit right with me. Yeah. It was just maybe how, how he had spoken about that blonde woman. I don't know. It was just a little bit, I don't know. I'm a sensitive girl. I was just like something about it. And I was little. I'm telling you, I was like like 10 maybe. Wow, that's so interesting. So you felt, it felt really uncomfortable to you. Yeah. And then now you went to the shul and they were speaking so positively of him. Yeah, I mean, just as as like this like height of spirituality. And I'm like, you know, he was amazing. He was totally awesome. He was a force of nature. He did so much good. He's incredible. And he left so many gifts to the world. But I had a hard time like, you know, like keying into that um, kind of guru thing. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm never, not, I've never. It's so been, interesting though that he ended up at Chabad, you know, not like, not to get all controversial, but I think in the sense that there is a guru, to say the least, within the Chabad world. So right. I, I guess I, f- I feel very different. So, so I'll, Oh, so I'll that's continue. great. No, I mean, yeah. I, this is very interesting. And I, um, I do, I did, I just wanted to note that it felt, it's so much of your story always feels like a shkacha pratis to me, like that it felt like you went to the um, Karlbach Shul, but like, in theory, it would be for you, but like there was also all this kind of stuff going on in your mind as well, and that's what it kind of helped. It sounds like it helped nudge you towards Chabad, which is where you obviously feel like you really belong. So it's obviously meant yeah. to be like that. Right? I mean, it was also just you know I was seeing a little bit of that. Remember, I was like talking about like the hippie thing that was just you know you think about that movement as being very chill and mm. relaxed and whatever, and then there were like all these super super uptight people just like, you know. <laughs> oh my gosh, like, I so know what you're talking about. You do, right? I had that experience, yeah. Holy moly. So yeah. that, so there was some of that too, you know, it was just like, right. you know, who paid for the sukkah? There's a line because you got to stand here. There's a, I was just like all these like regulations. Like I was just like, okay, is there another sukkah around here? <laughs> <laughs> right. So they, somebody pointed me to the Chabad sukkah, you know, down 20 blocks, whatever it was. And I walked to the Chabad sukkah. I walk in. The shlocha, I don't even know who, what her name is. I really should find out because it was really amazing. She just she didn't even ask me my name. She's just like, come. Here, you can wash here. here come come eat here. And the, the husband was like telling stories. And I was just like, nobody asked me a thing. Wow. It was just sit, eat, here. What, you know, here's stories. And he was telling like the stories that I remember from my childhood, from my first ever rabbi who was an amazing storyteller who I was always you know, that authentic right. part of Judaism that I was constantly running after or right. like searching for. So it was like another amazing Chabad experience. Um, wow. Yeah. And That's it cool. was like me and a bunch of others. It was like me amongst like probably 60 strangers, you know, wow. like just. And it's so funny because I totally expected it to be like the next part of the story would be going to Crown Heights, but it was actually just a separate Chabad experience. Yeah. Totally. Wow. And then again, Hashkacha Pratis, like it was, you went to one place and they directed you straight to Chabad. Wow. Yeah. It's really cool. It's just funny because so much of your story has been about being the first 
episode, right, of Dalia Schusterman and Henrya Kess was you talking about how much you were kind of directed away from Judaism in ways, like like kind of like Hashem kept pushing away and then towards art and, and whatever and towards music. And then all of a sudden now it sounds like you're getting pushed towards Chabad all at once, like yeah. in, in the span of a week. Yeah, basically. Wow. So, I mean, it, it was a process. I'm not going to say like all of a sudden I was, you know. Right. But, uh, <clears throat> it, I mean, it took a while. Like I wasn't, I wasn't really keeping Shabbos yet at this point, kosher, you know. I mean, I had started putting mezuzah up my my door because... Oh, well, so, like, I'd started before the Chabad experience, so I had started trying to connect. So I was reading books. Oh, okay. I went to the Kabbalah Center for a little while. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the word Kabbalah was like, you know, I don't know, the Moroccan in me was just like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. There's something there. I got to, you know, figure it out. Wow. There's, a, yeah, so another, yeah, uh, that only could go so far. It was just... Uh, <clears throat> We don't even have to go there, but anyway. So, 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 Kabbalah Center, and then I was taking classes at Age, which was cool. Like I had actually a beautiful teacher there. Um, I had a class that I took that um, was the guy who got me to start lighting candles. It was the guy at Age. He was this Australian rabbi, a young guy who was visiting, mm. and he's it was like, he's like, <laughs> it's really nice. He's like, one of the ways to bring your soulmate to you is if you light two candles, you bring the other light closer to you. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It's so beautiful, right? Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, first of all, I I wanted to be like married with babies since I was like 17. It was just not happening, but that was like part of it. You know what it's I mean? It's so funny. Like, you're so, I just love you. It just cracks me up Like, because <laughs> you're like out doing all these crazy musician things. Obviously something you really wanted as well, but at the same time you wanted to be religious and to be um, <laughs> married with babies. It's, <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's just because most people just be like, how can you want both? You know, like I think a lot of people think like that. Yeah. You know, whether they're religious or not. Like it's it's kind of like tend to think it's you can't be a rock star and have kids. You can't be, you know. Well, m- most can't. That's the truth. I mean, uh, out there they, they don't. Right. It's really. It's but you're a rock star thing. with kids. I'm a rock star with kids. <laughs> um, Baruch Hashem. I'm, I feel super lucky. I feel. <clears throat> I mean, I'm saying it is possible, right? I mean, it's possible, but, you know, to what extent, like, you know, these mothers who are, you know, these people who are touring constantly, it is a crazy right. life. Oh, right, right, right. So we're talking about, like, real, like, rock star tour Yeah, like, I mean, like, life. the way I was living before, right. I mean, I don't know how I would have done that. I mean, you right. know, who knows? Maybe it's possible. Listen, right, I was right, starting right. to do it with Bulletproof Stockings. Right. We're, like, getting into that. So it's so interesting. So, I mean, it's like you really had to have that time before the Basharit, like, sort of experience, too. Have that full rock star experience. Kind of. I guess so. Like I always wondered, like you know, why Hashem didn't you know pull me in closer, faster? Because I was definitely. Yeah. But obviously, I guess there was part of me that wasn't ready, or, or part of me that just needed to go through all those other things. Um, I, I don't regret any of it. You know, it was, it was uh, but you know, maybe some of the scars you might want to <laughs> be. Yeah want to do without but like but whatever no I mean it's it's cool and that's that's just who I was meant to be so or you know at least at this point um so we're 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 talking about how you what happened after you said it wasn't such a quick transition right you had had all these Chabad uh, experience like these like in one week and kind of like a few Chabad experiences right but it wasn't you didn't like become Chabad overnight no so I started going to these like Shabbos parties which Mm. is like kind of where like from and fry meet Mm. (laughs) it's like there were like a lot of these like quote unquote fried out kids who just couldn't let go of Shabbos like even though they were like smoking and doing whatever they were on Mm. Shabbos but they had to like gather and you know 
eat and schmooze and for bring. It was just like they didn't feel. This nah. was in Crown Heights. Nope. This oh, was, was in. I mean, it was like kids from Crown Heights, ex Satmar kids, like all kinds of like mm. you know. Near where you lived, this happened in Lower East Side. Um. So let's see. I went to. I mean, some of the parties were happening on the Upper West Side. Some in Brooklyn. Mm. Like, how did, did you find out about them? Um, so through some of the people that I'd met in Crown Heights. Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. It was, um, I don't know. Like I, I started right away, like connecting with people. Um, so you were already connecting with like the out of the box sort of religious people. Totally. And at that point, which what's really unfortunate is they had no real place to fully express who they were. So... That's why a lot of them were jumping out. Yeah. Um, they have one now? Yeah. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Chavria. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean... Still not enough, though. Right? That's my feeling. Not enough? Okay. I'm saying in general. We could you know, mean, definitely you, do yeah. more. But um, from what it was, like, right. bulletproof stockings could not have happened back right. then. Right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I'm so... Uh, I'm always dissatisfied. dissatisfied. No, that's in good. General, I mean, you know, it's like, always, you know, just, yeah. better, deeper, whatever. I also don't have the... Yeah, that history that you do. Like, that's... Yeah, I mean, you call me old. Oh, that is. <laughs> long, long um, history. I, <laughs> <laughs> I stroke my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, wow, that's so interesting. So you've, so they were kind of doing this thing. I, I, I find that fascinating, just as a, like that that you became from through like connecting with people, quote unquote, uh, frying out or whatever. Totally, uh, it's really fascinating. Yeah, they were the bridge for me because yeah. I'd never, first of all, I'd never come into contact with Hasidim at all, and Hasidim who are like you know, smoking pot or whatever. Like, not that that was like my thing, but it was just like, you know, that was right, something I knew about. That, yeah, it was just to like, see that. It was just like, you're blowing my mind. Like, this is so <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. whoa. Um, you know, I, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, and, you know, and it was really a gamut. I mean, it was just, you know, these, this, um, just all kinds of artists. And yeah, like I said, artists and ex and, and and Hasidim who are kind of on the f- and so so pa- yeah I mean that's so interesting because it's like I'm sorry to interrupt you but I- it's just to me I just I hear this all the time and I see it now obviously because I'm living it uh, in my world I mean I see I'm living it in the sense that I, I work with such people that so much of what runs through those sorts of crowds is creativity like there's just something about it where yes. the people living in those and the margins or whatever it is, whatever the words you want to use are, like, or are about to leave or who are trying to come back or this and that, like, like that sort of way station. Like so many of them are creative or at least are drawn towards creative people, you know, and by exactly. creative, I mean artsy, you know, not necessarily creative thinker. Like they're all creative thinkers, I think. That's what it is, creative thinking, because they could be right. creative thinking and business entrepreneurial or they could be creative thinking in, right. you know, exactly. lyrical poetry, whatever it is. like right. Or fashion, right. Or right. fashion. Yeah. <laughs> but like the point being, I, I mean, that's, I, oh, you're just, anyway, I could go on a whole rant. It's not my, but I, like just in this idea that, that people don't realize like that, how vital that is to so many people. And like, imagine if you could help people understand that. And it seems like that's kind of what you, I I don't want to put words in your mouth. Tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you are starting to see you can be creative and Jewish together. 
Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Exactly right. that. Because like where I had come from was so not creative or, you know, it was just like right. kids going to Harvard and Princeton and all that cool stuff. But like, mm-hmm. it was just not like, you know, right. um, yeah, art was just, I don't, it was and, very rare. And it's so, to me, I mean, I, th- I think it's beautiful that they're, those people like were the ones that showed it to you. you know? Oh, I think so too. I am so thankful. I mean, it's it's a beautiful thing because yeah. I can never like disregard. You know, like for me, I, like I'll always know that it was like people who were like you know in the in between that that were the bridge for me. So those people are like super precious for me. Hmm. Um, yeah. So so. Um, so you started going to these. So I started going to these things, and then you know, Pazzi was like part of that crowd. He, but he was one oh, of the he? from guys. Like he was like, like I was like one step off the tour bus, and he was like <laughs> one test away from smicha. It was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like it made no sense. Um, you know, like the can you know in that way we're coming from very different places. But like that, I mean, they were you know they were both extremes in the, in the in that world, and um, we started hanging out. Actually, he. Um, he was having a party. So he was kind of like, he had, he had been in yeshiva. He was Balchuva also. His story is like crazy. He like grew up in Berkeley and um, brilliant kid. Mm. I mean, it was just like, I mean, he was like a star gymnast as a kid. And then he was like, wow. you know, biochem, like, like didn't even want to be in this program at UC Berkeley. But like, he like apparently wrote like a whole spiritual essay and they took him anyways, like him and like only 10 other people in the world for this program. It was just like, but he was just, whatever he touched, he was just, he was just gifted. And, um, and he didn't know anything about Judaism really. Mm. He, um, didn't really have a proper bris. He didn't have a bar mitzvah. Um, it wasn't until college, like, I think it, from what I, the way he tells it, like when in high school, Berkeley's like, yeah, there's like a lot of, um, like African-American parts to them. And the, his high school, Berkeley High was like super that. So he pretty much thought he was black for like a mm. while. <laughs> like, I think he was like trading off cultures. He didn't really know what was his. Mm. Um, and he went to college and he read, um, at one point he read, um, Malcolm X's biography, Malcolm X is all about not letting the dominant culture define mm. you. So he's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's my culture? Wow. Um, I think it was a black guy who told him, uh, you're, you're Jewish, dude. <laughs> so and so he started he started taking classes, <laughs> started learning um, alf base in college, uh-huh. and um, Hanukkah menorah lighting. The rabbi Ferris of Berkeley, the shliach of Berkeley, was there and. Uh, Started going over for Shabbos, and wow. his wife was just, just like, oh, my gosh, kid, you've got to go to yeshiva. He <laughs> was just, like, drinking it in, like. Right. So, um, so yeah, so he ended up going to yeshiva um, against the will of everyone. Was he in college still when he went to yeshiva? He was in college. At first, he, he just went for, like, a, the summer thing. And then he went back and he's like, okay, if I can keep up like the Jewish studies and the biochem, I'll do it. But he was just like too taken by the Jewish stuff. He was so wow. like, it just, it meant nothing to him. The other stuff, it just, that's all he wanted. Wow. So he just like jumped in and went to Yeshiva. And, wow. That must've freaked out people around him. Oh yeah. Major. Wow. Like there were picket signs and all kinds of stuff. Wait, what? Yeah. Like well, literally? Yeah. 
Um, I'll we'll leave that it's out. It's a very Berkeley story. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> a Berkeley sign. story. Yeah. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, but it was. I mean, so he went to. He started off at Hadar Torah, um, and within three months, he knew what all he needed to know from Hadar Torah. Huh. So they sent him off to Oli Torah with all the kids who had been learning their whole wow. lives. Yeah. Wow, what a special person. It was when we got engaged and um, he brought me to Crown Heights, there were like three different people with like white beards down to their bellies who were like, do you know who you're marrying? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we would sit in class at Hadar Torah and after the rabbi would leave, we would go to your husband, who was like this kid with like the septum ring and the long hair, <laughs> just like be like, "What did the rabbi just say?" <laughs> and he was, "Wow!" And he was so like humble. Like he's not. He wasn't like, right. you know. He was. He was more introverted, kind of quiet person. So he didn't wear it on his sleeve. But like, when he opened his mouth, it was just like, um, so. Anyways, so he. He at this point he had gone through yeshiva. He had done like the whole like Ole Torah bit, gone off to Shlichus and Panama and this and that, and went as a they they send like the like some of the top people to Kfar Chabad as like Shlichim. So he was one of those, and then he came back and he was like finishing up his test. He decided to go for like you could take three tests to get smicha, or you could take five tests to get smicha. He went for the five tests and he stopped right at the fourth test. When I met him, he was like stopped at the fourth test. And he was all of a sudden, like after like 10 years of like intensive um, study, was like, you know, trying to figure out like there was, Mm. he had to, you know, just kind of get his balance or get his grounding a little bit. Mm. So he was. this was when you guys met? This is when we met. So that, you know, so he was hanging out with the in-betweeners as well kind of thing. Um, coming from the other side. Yeah. So, um, so was anyone worried about him then? Yes. Um, there were rabbis who were pulling him aside, like as we were getting closer and it was like, um, people were like, what are you doing with this modern girl? Like they were. Oh, because of you specifically. Oh yeah. Cause like, you know, I, I was still like wearing, you know, pink corduroy pants and stuff. It was just like, uh, what, you know, and he was like, so you guys star were like hanging out or? I mean, like, I mean, we were, he was like my Jewish contact kind of like, he was like. He became like, like your connection, specifically yeah. him. Like I'm saying not just well, these Just groups. because we related mm. like the first time. Um, so he had had this like party at one point and I, I, for, like he was changing apartments, so it was like a goodbye party to his apartment, whatever. He invited me, and and um, and I I was like getting on train after train, and just kept making the wrong. I don't know what was happening, but again, Hashkacha brought this. I was not making it to that party, so I just went home. And then I called him the next day. I was like, you know, dude, I really tried to get there, but thanks for inviting me. You know, whatever. <laughs> and we barely, barely knew each other, hmm. but like I heard his voice on the phone. And it was just like, like, it was home. It was like home. It was like, so, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so we started getting, you know, just, just talking. We were talking a lot. Like, you know, I, he had studied a lot. I hadn't studied 
much at all, you know, comparatively, but like we could connect still on a spiritual level. Like I was thirsty in that way and I was searching in that way and, and I was getting, you know, like it made sense to me. It's like, it was natural for me. Hmm. Um, so he, so we could have these conversations about it, um, which is, which like for him was like, what the heck? You like, you just finished my, you know, like. Mm. I, you know, I'm talking about Rev, you know, Dove Bear, whatever it is. And he said this and you're like finishing it. whatever it was like he, we, we were connecting, we were connecting. Um, but again, like I was still kind of still flying, you know, that's just Dahlia flies. So, mm. and um, he was at that, like, was he getting something out of that? Like in the sense of not, I'm not saying he didn't get anything out of it. But I'm saying in the sense of the creative side, I guess, of you, was he, was that something that like you were giving him or, or am I just imagining? So that? they were, so it was funny cause I actually, the, the last concert I played with mm. Hopewell, um, happened after Sukkot. So, so, so it was the year of 2000, um, 2001, the year of nine 11. Wow. And we had had, there was a, a CMJ festival in Manhattan and we were supposed to play, um, with all these super cool bands. Um, and, it didn't happen. Like everything kind of got shifted over. And, um, we actually got instead put together with Perry Farrell, which is like amazing. Um, but what? Oh, really? Perry Farrell. Uh, do you ever heard of Jane's addiction? Yeah. Okay. okay. So he's a singer. That was just funny because I was trying to figure out, is it a from person or is it what? <laughs> no, he's a Jewish guy though. Oh, but, he's a Jewish um, guy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, from that's Jane's addiction. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, totally aside. So you're so talking about your, no, so now we're, you're still like in your, still in my rock world. Right. So, so we were having a last concert and, um, my hand drum was, I had left it in Crown Heights, um, again, I can't remember why, but there were a bunch of kids who wanted to come to the concert. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how many kids were wanting to come to the concert and, you know, guest list in these clubs, like you could only put so many, like they'd came in. Droves. It was like amazing. Um, the and ones that from the dinners, uh, from the Shabbos dinners, like these. Yeah, people. yeah. Wow. And yeah, it That's was so cool. It was amazing. Um, except that I couldn't get them in, and they were all like, you know, broke kids or whatever. So it was like, wow. so they all turned back, and Pazia always like, you know, I, I, I was ready to pay and go in, and but I just felt bad like leaving these guys. So I went back, and he was just like, but I didn't know it was my last concert. They didn't know it was my last concert, and he was just like always like kicking himself that he didn't make that concert. But uh, um, why did I say that? Oh, cause oh, so 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 he knew about, I was a musician, you, or did you give like yeah from your like did he get something from that like a, yes aspect? because he okay so he was um, he was a writer and he was also a songwriter. Wow. So um, he was, before I met him, he was performing with um, some of the fairest kids, like in Berkeley, and, and, and oh, Bensi um, Marcus, who's in Eighth Day, he used to have like mm. a whole other, like, he was doing music in a whole different way mm. back in the day. So, um, yeah, he was, he was writing songs and doing music and writing, he was a writer, he's just a natural, like, artist, just... So, um, so yeah, it was very exciting for him, I think, uh, to connect to someone on that because again, he was like smack in the from world, like from Shiba from, and you know, there was this like fringe element that he would hang out with, but like he was also in the, in the box, you know, Ole Tara, you know, Shlicha's like 770. So 
he, part of him was definitely thirsting wow. for a place for that expression. So, so yeah. So, um, so you were becoming like kind of religious through him a little bit and through yes. this, these groups. That's so fascinating. I had no idea about that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he taught me so. I mean, he, he taught me so much, like so much. So, at what point did you start to be like, okay, I want to live like this? Um. It was so gradual, lad. It was so gradual. I was like really like step by step. Like I, even after we got married, we got married and we um, moved to Los Angeles, huh. in the heart of the Chabad community there. And Wait, I was, were you you were from when you got married, or you weren't? So I was Shomer Shabbos, and uh-huh. I was kosher. I hadn't quite like he taught me about Chalav Yisrael. I'd never heard of Chalav Yisrael. They don't do that in Maryland. Like mm-hmm. in Baltimore, they do, but I just I never heard of it. Like people just don't do it. Um, and so you got ma- wow, that's so interesting. So that must have also been kind of I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but like it's definitely out there, right? For a guy who's super Hasidic to be marrying someone who's you know just starting to keep things like yeah. No, he was definitely um, try- you know people were. Yes, trying to talk him out of it for sure. Wow. Um, but he, he was so like I remember one time we um we went to Rabbi Korn who was a shleach in Manhattan. Oh yeah, you know he's amazing. Yeah. Um, he was so he was kind of like my rabbi at that time. Like if I needed, you know, of course he was. That yeah. makes so much sense to me. <laughs> so um and it was funny like when I when we walked in. And Paz introduced himself. He's like, you're Paz? Like, he knew of Paz because, like, people in Hadar Torah knew of Paz. Like, it was mm-hmm. just like, you know. And then, and we were hanging out there. And, um, oh, so so one of the times that we went there was in Pastara. And we got there late. And um, they had already, like, pulled away the machitzas. So I picked up a sitter and just started davening. Paz, he picked up a sitter and started doing hakafas around me. And the rabbi was like, uh, pause, what are you doing? <laughs> He's like, this is, this is my Torah right here. And that, it was just like, wow. he was so like, it was, I don't know. I, I don't know how, it, I don't know. I don't know why he picked me. I have no idea. But yeah, he was just like, it was just, I guess, clear for him. Wow. That's such an amazing story. Hashem. So, so yeah, so he never, he never pushed anything, which is also very rare. Right. He was, he was like, like marrying you as you were. Yeah. Like, not as like, you're going to be Chabad one day or whatever you're going to be. No, I mean, even though like, I think on a Neshama level, he saw that I was like so turned on by all this stuff. Right, right. Um, and, um... So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, married, but I'm not wearing a shaitel. No huh. way. You know, I was just like, <laughs> what the heck? Are those mops in your head? Like, you guys, like, what's wrong? Mops. Yeah, I mean, I was just like, Did what? you wear a tichel or you were just? Sometimes. I was just like, you know. Wow. I totally didn't grow up with that. You know, I was just like, I was excited that like, you know, in shul, I would wear hats. I would be able to like, you know, sport the hats. And my mother was always in fancy hats, you know. Right. Um, I walked into like yeshiva <laughs> or El Hanan of uh, you know Chabad of Los Angeles. Right. I don't know if you know anything about that place, but yeah, yeah major um, Baruch Hashem. So, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't totally given over, that's for sure, to uh-huh. say the least. Um, but eventually... Were you, when, sorry, when you got married, were you still doing music? Like, what was your... No, so, okay, so this was the, the trajectory as far as music goes. I was, so the band, Hopewell ended. Mm. I couldn't totally let go of music because, again, it was just... I ended up singing cabaret. It was like this wildest thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, completely. <laughs> that's what I did. Okay. Um, so and basically this pianist from SUNY Purchase from college, um, and we, we just like, you know, learn these songs, and I'd go and sing them <laughs> at this place. That... <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're saying, like, if you have to sing, you have to sing. I It just, I don't even remember how it started. I Maybe I heard about it, and they were like, and I was like. Did you, uh-huh. so what did you do, you like, in terms of. Your band? What did you just quit the band, or what? Yeah, what it kind of dissolved. It was oh, just so like, the band itself dissolved. No, like, well, or, I mean, they oh. kind of like reconfigured or whatever. But like, you know, I had to part ways. It was just like, okay, yeah. It was, so, were you, would you have left anyway, or do you think it was related to your Jewish connection? Um, I think it was related to the fact that it, I remember on that tour, I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, right. there's just part of me that's like screaming at me and I don't know exactly what it's saying, but like, mm-hmm. it's not okay anymore for me to be. So, you know, they're awesome kids and they're... You know, I mean, it's just so crazy to me though, because you, like you make it like, it's it's funny, we almost like completely jumped past that, but like, it's like a big deal that you were like, oh, I'm not going to be a rock star anymore. And oh, by the way, I'm now like becoming more religious and about to, like, I don't know what the timeline was in terms of marriage, but like... It just seems like very quick and sudden, right? And but it sounds like I guess that's kind of like your story though, anyway, right? Like that you kind of you would go with your passions, right? I guess that's yeah. I mean, it was it was very hard. It was a very, I mean, uh-huh. it was like a breakup. So for me, it was it was actually I mean, it was devastating. I was devastated that it wasn't working anymore. But like, right. even though on some level I, it was a relief, but on another level, I was like definitely grieving. Right. Um. You know. I. But it was also that you kind of gave up that life to a certain extent, right? Like yeah. Like, I didn't, I mean, that had been everything that I was for, you know, four years going on five and maybe it was So why didn't you try to pursue like another thing like that? Um, I, I never pursued music. Okay. <laughs> I mean. So for I, you it was just another, I mean, it was a hard, but it was, it was another step, I guess, a different. Yeah, it just, I never, it was just like, if something was meant to be, it was like, I was going to, you know, give it my all. Mm -hmm. But like, I wasn't, it wasn't like, it's not like I always wanted to be a drummer, you know, like I just, it's what happened. And then right at the time when that stopped, you started, just happened to connect to Judaism and happened to find your Basharat. Right. So again, it was, it was gradual. Cause as you n- now yeah. know, I was singing cabaret also at that time. So it was just, you know, there was like still like I was juggling some very different worlds. Um, but yeah. eventually, um, but you were being creative during that time. I was being creative, yeah. but, but when I got married or mm. like when I was like, yeah, when I, when that became a reality, I left New York, I left everything behind. Oh Yeah. Yeah, it was very, very intense because I, I mean, bas- I couldn't listen to music at all. Really? It, because listening to music would just bring me back to that world that 
I was trying to separate from, but at the same time I was longing for because it, there's still a part of me that needed to be doing something creative. But you essentially tried to like divorce yourself of it when you went to LA? I didn't mean to, but that's what happened. I left my drum set. I, you know, left my musical community. I went to some somewhere where I didn't know anybody. Wow. Um, and what did you envision for your life when that when you did that? I just marriage. That's all I was. You know, had you know this, that was the reality right now with marriage and you know, Mitzvahim children and I didn't know. I did. I had no idea. I was wasn't wasn't. Uh, there was no clear vision at that point, which was actually one of the hardest parts of my life I think and, and, and creatively right um you know I was I was super thrilled to be married to this person um and thank my lucky stars every single day um but creatively I was definitely kind of felt like I was kind of dying a little bit so Dahlia we're, we're already at an hour <laughs> Kidding, but you know what? That. that is like the best. Like ever, this is like uh, what's it called? You know, to be continued, right? We have to continue. Like we now we have to know the answer to what what happened. You know, <laughs> this is like wow. That was great. That was so interesting. And I mean, I'm glad to know there was a happy creative ending to that. But it's also good. To, I, I can't wait to find out the rest of it. Such a fascinating story. And um, yeah. Um, I guess the listeners will will have to wait until our third. Oh my gosh! So I'm the first together. time part two, and now the first time part three. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you sorry. are doing. You're always groundbreaking. Holy Even moly. on Hebrea Cast, you're breaking ground. Dude, you know, that's just nuts. <laughs> wow. Um, wow. Okay. Well, thank you so much. If there's is there anything you want to plug before we go? Yeah. Life, dude. <laughs> plug in life. You want to plug life? Yeah, <laughs> plug life. Guys, you heard it here. <laughs> Go uh, get some life. Is that on Facebook? Yeah, of course. Everything's on Facebook. It's on Facebook.com slash life. Okay. Um, make that page real quick. <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, check out the New Moon All-Stars Party Band. Um, are you guys having any gigs soon? Oh, my gosh. We got a bunch. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll check our page first, for staff. Um, uh, oh, okay. So just look you up on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, we have some one in, like, Pomona. We have one possibly. Yeah, we have one at um, Wolf and Lamb coming up, but I don't have all the dates in my head right now. So, but, yeah, check us on Facebook. and. Um, cool. We'll provide a link on the description. So. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Dahlia. Thank you. I'm serious. you got to come for a third. I mean, you obviously know it, right? Like, you have to have a third episode. <laughs> if, you, if you want, it'll be my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Hivriya Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hivriya.com or facebook.com slash hivriamag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City, and the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.